Hey, ghoul friends, it's me, Adrian, or Aiden. Either way, I am still your host, and you are still listening to Susto, the podcast of ooky, spooky, scary stories. Hello, how are you? How was your spring break? I hope that you were rested, that you were able to take at least a day, an afternoon off. I hope that you had some time off from school, work, whatever it is that might be stressing you out. And if you didn't, you know what? That's okay. You made it to this day, another week. Take it day by day. You know what I mean? If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. Us. Make sure you follow Susto Podcast on socials. That's at Susto Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And uh, if you're not new here, if you're returning, welcome back, Susto fam. Thanks for being here. And uh, really quick, before I say anything else, I do want to say congratulations. There were a couple of people. There were, uh, it was five of them. Like I said in last uh, in the last episode, towards the end. I don't know if uh, some of you know this or not, but I do giveaways during the episodes. You just have to basically listen to the whole thing to figure out where I plant the giveaway but I will very clearly say do this thing or say this thing to me like this way and you'll get a goodie so for the last one i gave away five susto pins to five listeners because they found that little easter egg in the episode and i don't do them every single episode but you know i like to throw them in every once in a while i think it's fun there's some perks to listening to the entire thing uh speaking of perks though if you are not already you should consider becoming a patron on patreon.com slash susto podcast you get a bunch of added benefits you can see all of those on again patreon.com slash susto podcast you can see what those perks are what you get for signing up for each tier. Yeah, and that's just another way to show your support for the show. Well, I've taken uh, enough of your time to plug what I needed to plug and say what I needed to say. Uh, As always, follow the socials. If you have your own spooky story, whether it's a written story, a video, an audio recording, a picture, whatever it is, please send that to me on any of the socials in a DM. You can also leave it in a five-star review, and you can also email it to me to sustopodcast at gmail.com, and I will share that on the show. Also, if you are in the Austin area, you can find Susto pins and other goodies at City Alchemist. You can visit them at City Alchemist on socials and cityalchemist.com where the witches shop. So we're going to go ahead and get into today's episode, which is the story of the Joelma building. Edificio Praza de Bandera, better known by its former name, Joelma Building, is a 25-story building in downtown Sao Paulo, Brazil, completed in 1971. The Joelma Building still stands 25 stories tall today, but it hasn't been able to shake off its reputation following the tragic events of February 1st, 1974. On the morning of that fateful day, at 8.50 a.m., An air conditioning unit short-circuited on the 12th floor, igniting a fire, and within 20 minutes, the entire building was engulfed in flames. There were 756 people in the building at the time. The primary cause of the fire's rapid spread was the interior's flammable furniture and building materials that quickly ignited. Partitions, desks, and chairs were made of wood. The ceilings were cellulose fiber tiles set in wood strappings and the curtains and carpets were also flammable. The Huelma building is a reinforced fire-resistant concrete hull construction, so the structure itself did not suffer enough damage from the fire to cause a collapse. But, 
By the time the fire department arrived, they had realized their ladders could only reach up to the 15th floor, trapping everyone above in the inferno. At the time, no emergency lights, posted and fire alarms, fire sprinkler systems, or emergency exits were fitted to the building. There was only one stairwell which ran the full height of the building. An air conditioner unit on the 12th floor which started the fire needed a special type of circuit breaker, which was unavailable at the time it was installed. In order to use this unit, it was installed bypassing the 12th floor electrical control panel. Initial efforts led to the successful evacuation of some 300 injured employees before the heat and smoke became too overwhelming. Approximately 300 people were evacuated using the elevators, a practice that is not recommended by fire officials. The four elevator operators were only able to make a few trips, however, before conditions within the building made it impossible to continue. Many remaining employees climbed onto balconies for air, and a group of 171 individuals fled to the roof. A helicopter rescue was attempted, but the heat, smoke, and inadequate landing space prevented helicopters from reaching the roof until well after the fire had burned out at 10.30 a.m. Even if landing space had been available, the strong heat and dense smoke made approaching the building by helicopter extremely hazardous. Despite the best efforts of rescue personnel and witnesses who shouted and created signs encouraging people to remain calm, 40 individuals jumped to escape the conditions inside and in failed attempts to grasp unreachable fire ladders. None of these jumpers survived. Approximately 80 people hid under the tiles of the roof of the building and were found alive. A total of 179 people perished that day. 13 people who tried to escape the fire using one of the elevators of the Huelma building died of suffocation, and their bodies were so horrifically burned that they remain unidentified to this day. The 13 are now buried in the nearby Sao Pedro Cemetery, where people regularly hear screams, voices, and moans of agony coming from the unidentified graves. The Huelma fire became a landmark case that led to changes in fire safety regulations not only in Brazil, but all over the world. For instance, Los Angeles enacted Regulation 10, which mandated all new buildings taller than 75 feet to have a rooftop helipad for emergency fire evacuation. The regulation was created in response to the Huelma fire. Although investigations into the tragedy were deemed conclusive, mystery still surrounds the building's history. According to legend, the Huelma building was constructed on the same land as the 1948 home of Paulo Ferreira de Camargo, a young chemistry professor. Camargo owned a modest home in the city center and frequently took his mother and two sisters to the nearby hospital. His mother, Benedita, had cancer, while his sisters, Maria Antonieta and Cordelia, suffered from epilepsy and schizophrenia. Throughout the family's regular visits to the hospital, Paulo met and eventually fell in love with a nurse named Isaltina dos Amaros. But his family was quick to disapprove. Isaltina's reputation wasn't great in Sao Paulo, mainly for having lost her virginity before marriage. The mother and sisters did everything in their power to keep the two apart, eventually driving Paolo into a dark place. One day, the chemist snapped, 
shot his family to death in his home and buried them in a well he had recently dug in his backyard. The police eventually came to investigate the women's disappearances, and Paolo took his own life before confessing to his crimes. 57 years after Paolo Camargo murdered his family, and 31 years after the Huelma building burned, Luis Nunez, the caretaker of the Sao Pedro Cemetery, would speak to TV Globo about his experience with the supernatural. He was far from the only one. In 2004, others experienced something strange at the same site. A team working for the mayor, frightened by the history surrounding that site, would only step inside the Praça de Bandeira building, as it was renamed at the beginning of the 2000s, after a Buddhist monk purified it and deemed it safe. However, the monk told TV Globo that she could not do anything to placate the ghosts that many still believed inhabited the building. Other witnesses agreed with her. They told stories of car lights flashing uncontrollably in the parking lot, and whispers and cries of pain following on-site workers. Some believe that the ghosts inhabiting the site are older and more numerous than the Huelma fire victims and the murderous doctor and his family. Slaves were freed in Brazil in May 1888, but before that, the corner of Sao Paulo, where the Huelma building burned and Camargo killed his family, was said to be home to a pillory, where slaves were taken to be tortured and murdered. Renaming the building has done little to help its reputation. Even decades later, the Sao Paulo neighborhood where the tower stands is bursting with life, as it always has been. But a real estate broker who lists the Praça de Bandeira building, noting that it is just a three-minute walk from a metro station, still has plenty of vacancies. Oh, okay. This was another one that I felt was similar to the River of Death episode that I did that was not traditionally like a spooky story, but it still had at the end this spooky element of this cursed land where all these traumatic things happened, you know, much like the episode about Frida Sofia, where trauma kind of like builds on this land. And especially if people know about the history of it, it kind of plants this seed in your head and you like, you know, you expect something like that to happen. These people that are reporting, hearing like the moaning and the cries and the screaming, like more than likely they know about the history of that location, not just the building itself, but dating all the way back to when slaves were freed in Brazil and the way that that they were treated you know of course like that it, that's that, that's a nightmare it's a literal nightmare to think of people being treated that way i will say though and i'm not sure if i've mentioned in those episodes before is that when i talk about how these like when people know about these traumatic periods in time or events or situations whatever it might be and then like people form kind of their own ideas based around that i do still also believe in I want to say I've talked about this before. I believe in the, the the imprint of like energy. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't think I've shared this one before. So growing up, I grew up with my grandparents and my mom, my biological mom, she, you know, eventually, of course, like moved out on her own. And like I stayed with my grandparents. But I remember after she moved out and even then this was years after she moved out, like and I was still in that house and she's still alive. But 
I remember one day sitting in the living room, I was watching TV, and then I saw something from my peripheral vision. And then as I was turning my my grandmother's house, she has like one of those like half walls, you know, and then it has the pillars going the rest of the way up, thin pillars, so I could see into the hallway from the living room. I, as I was turning, because I saw someone in my peripheral vision behind that half wall, like their head peeking out, I saw my mom my biological mom, like I saw her face like smiling and I kind of did like a double take and then she was gone. And I was like, what the heck? And, I, and then I, I called her I was, or I spoke to her later that day and like she was fine. She had not been at the house <laughs> that day. Like she didn't go to visit that day. She was working the whole day. So it was just like that to me kind of is one of the like moments in my life that makes me feel like dead or alive. We leave imprints of energy wherever we go. And it would make sense that, you know, she left that imprint there because she grew up in that house. She lived in that house for a very long time. Even though she was out of that house, she was gone from it, the imprint of her energy was there. And so that's one of the things that I believe when it comes to spirituality and like hauntings and spirits and stuff. Like, I don't think a haunting is necessarily always from someone who is dead. I think it could be from someone who's still alive because, and I don't know if you would call it a haunting at that point, but you know, they're, they, they've left an imprint of their energy in that space. And so on a more like metaphysical level, on a more spiritual level, that's one of the parts of like my beliefs in, in that respect or regard. I went on this huge tangent about it, but all this to say, after all of these things have happened in this one location, you know, the way that the slaves from Brazil were treated before they were freed and of course, after and and then Camargo murdering his his family and then taking his own life and then the fire in the building that like it's just a huge tragic traumatic event. So like a, apart from the people in the area knowing the history of that spot and then the actual imprint of the energy of those things that happened, like it. Like, yeah, there's no wonder that <laughs> there's so many vacancies in that building. I would not want to take up space in there in any way. And then you have to think, like, if that is the truth. So my personal belief with the imprint of energy, like, if that is the way that it works, which I'm, I'm probably way off, but that's how I've experienced it. It's like, then there really is nowhere that you can go that you won't. You know, so like there's going to be the imprints of energy, but I think especially the way that things are set up now, because we are so like boxed into specific spaces, work, home. And then we have spaces dedicated to certain types of energies like cemeteries, hospitals, churches. There's that buildup of energy over time makes itself more known. It makes itself more tangible, physical, like in this world. I don't know what I'm on today, but (laughs) I am on this kick of just like imprinting spiritual energy and not imprinting like Jacob on resume because that was just weird if you've ever seen Twilight I still don't like that storyline okay well I'm not going into that (laughs) that is another scary story for another day but I do want to a quick shout out I the main story that I used to build this piece was from Wikipedia I also got sources from Remescla and Narratively narratively narratively.com it looks like they actually have like a whole like podcast episode episode dedicated to this so you should go check them out and all of these links will be in the google doc for the episode
thank you so much for listening. This one, yeah, like, I mean, you just heard, there wasn't like a ton of context for it because this story was based in reality. It was based in something that happened. And I didn't want to not speculate, but I don't know, I didn't want to throw a bunch of nuance on that because it was a real tragedy that happened. But I will say, you know, at the end of that, I'm really glad that there were changes made to how buildings are constructed and like, in, in, in direct response to that tragedy. It, it's it's good to see when people learn from their mistakes and they stop history from repeating itself, which is what I wish would happen in more spaces and to more people. We won't get into that, right? Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Please make sure that you are following at Susto Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook for any and all updates on the show. You can also DM me your own spooky story, video, recording, picture, whatever it is, and I'll read it and share it on the show or the socials. You can also do that by sending an email to sustopodcast at gmail.com or leaving your story in a five-star review. I would super appreciate it. As much as I appreciate all of my sustofam on patreon.com slash sustopodcast, I love customizing things for you all. And I feel like you've noticed that like I've made custom stickers that I've designed. I've made you all face masks with a logo. I'm not sure if I made you koozies or if that's one that's on the list. But you see, there's like a trend here is like I love making stuff with my own two hands and all this equipment that I've invested in (laughs) for you all. It's just a lot of fun. So if, if you have any ideas of things that you would like me to make for you or as patrons or to even like sell, thank you to, to those of you who have bought pins on your own or even like extra content that maybe you want me to produce. I would love to hear your ideas, but definitely if you're a patron, because any like merch that I make patrons, typically they get first access to it and they get it for free, like on top of their perks. So I will just leave that there and I will talk to you all later and check your fire alarms and your fire extinguishers once a month. Bye.